Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Oh, you got to love pets. Well, welcome. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. So glad that you're here today. It's been a great weekend. Honestly, a great season for us uh, as a church, and we really have never uh, had one like it in just uh, the numbers of you coming to church and really what God is doing. I hope that you will be here next week in particular as we celebrate uh, Timberlake's 30th birthday party, and that'll be a great celebration, and really, uh, it's great to see as, a, as we've been around for 30 years that we're really coming in to our best season. I've been visiting the various campuses and I had a lot of conversations with people, and they're talking about the seasons of life that they're going through. And, and there's some great things, but also uh, some things that are difficult are stressors that are happening. And that's why this week uh, I'm starting a brand new series uh, called Stretched Thriving in the Midst of Life Stresses. We spent the last number of weeks in the book of Titus, and uh, there there was practicality, but also we learned a lot of theology. We're going to flip that a little bit today. We are going to go through a passage of the Bible, but with a great sense of looking towards application. And uh, it's really important that we look at this because stress is an epidemic in our society. Uh, Some stats I came across, 48% of Americans have trouble sleeping. Uh, 22% of us gnash our teeth at night. Uh, yeah, 80% of uh, workers feel stress on the job, according to the American Institute of Stress, which sounds like not a fun place to work. And then 75% of adults exper- uh, report experiencing moderate to high levels of stress in their life. You know, it's sort of funny, whenever I speak on something, uh, I need to be careful, uh, because usually uh, God gives me examples because I get to experience it. Uh, so my next ser- series is going to be on how to win the lottery uh, from the book of Numbers, evidently. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, no, it's really, some of you are like, wow, that's sort of interesting. Uh, but uh, really, uh, there's been a little bit of stress. Uh, good things happening in our life, but our, our home, as we head in the holidays, our home is not that old. It's just a little over 10 years old, but some things are starting uh, to break on the, on the homes, not work out. And that's okay. We've actually uh, used to buy and fix up and sell houses, uh, but it's almost got out of uh, hand. Uh, there's, you know, a toilet or something to repair, but now there's this list of things that need to be fixed in our house, from sinks to toilets to screen doors to cabinets. And my wife, uh, as we're talking about this, uh, she says, hey, honey, I think it's time for us to hire a handyman. And I'm like, man, handy, we're done. And she goes, no, a real one. And I'm like, oh, you know, okay, so, you know, I was a little bit hurt about that. And then, okay, worse, uh, I said, hey, I don't even know where to get a handyman. I usually do. And she goes, well, why don't you post 
on Facebook that you need a handyman. I said, I am not going to lose my man card on Facebook. And so if you saw the post I did a couple days ago, uh, yeah, <laughs> I got a lot of advice. And, and the funny thing is this, and I think this carries over and there's application here, is there's things in my life that, that I, I have done before, but they get a little out of hand, and I'm, I can be too embarrassed to ask for help. And, and I got to tell you, I see this in, in life as we look at just even difficulty. I've seen people who they would rather have a relationship end than say, hey, I have a problem. They'd, they'd rather be, and it, it's, not, it's not your evil or any, I'm not saying that. But you'd say, okay, I'd rather be stuck in this addiction than just to say, you know what, I need a little bit of help. And so my prayer is that during this series, that you are going to, I'm going to do an introduction more today, and then in the next number of weeks as we look at some specific areas, that you'd say, okay, that's me, and I'm stepping in to some help and some hope. Oftentimes, here's how we view stress in life. We view, okay, things are going good, or things are going bad. And can I tell you what? The answer to that is yes. Some, we have two tracks in life. There's good things happening in your life. Uh, you might say, oh, nothing good's happening in my life. That is not true at all. You woke up this morning, you get to listen to me. I mean, come on. Uh, no, there, there's always good things in your life. And if you can't see it, I understand our, our minds can fool us, but there are good things happening in your life. And there's always stressors in our life. See, the question is, how am I going to act and react to those things? The Apostle Paul, and this is our theme verse for this series, he, he had uh, people abandon him, uh, talk smack about him, uh, all sorts of things. Uh, he was persecuted, and he wrote this. He said, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. So he's acknowledging all those difficulties, but he said, they have not undone me in my life. So, so the question is for you and me, okay, what stresses, how do I get there? What stresses me out? There's a number of areas. First one, friends, family, and coworkers. You're saying that's pretty much everyone. Yes, yeah, and it could be good. I mean, you could, I, I, there's a couple, uh, I'm going to be performing their wedding ceremony. And they're like, oh, we're sort of stressed. And I just said, why are you stressed just because you're committing your whole life to this? Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't say it like that. I said it more scary than that. And uh, <laughs> Because even getting married, yeah, there's stress in that. You say, oh, I open up a business, I'm stressed out. Yeah, that's a good thing, but you can still see there's all sorts of uh, things. We all have stress. There are people who are around us who can stress us out uh, a little bit, and many of them we're going to get to spend time with over Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, and, and I think if we approach it sort of like uh, outlet malls, my wife sort of likes to do the whole outlet mall thing, and you'll go to, you know, uh, Saks Off Fifth or the Nordstrom Rack or one of those uh, other outlets, and, and you get a get, you know, wonderful name brand stuff, but at a radically discounted price. Why? Because usually there's a blemish. Uh, it's uh, sort of, it's irregular. There's something wrong with it, and it's yours to discover. 
And, uh, but what do they say? You buy it how? As is. Yeah, and there's no refunds and there's no exchanges. And you say, how does this have to do with relatives? Well, during Thanksgiving, there's going to be some people walking in. Don't you wish they had tags on them? Slightly irregular. Uh, always has an opinion. And, but there's other people, and there's, the tags are a little, uh, drinks to mask her loneliness. Uh, can't help but alienating the ones he loves. And if we approach it through the attitude of judgment, and I understand safe boundaries, man, I, I'm all about that. But it's also we can approach like Jesus. Jesus looks at us and he accepts us as is. The great differentiator in Christianity, if you're looking at world religions, it's not about, you know, a five-fold path or anything that you have to accomplish. It's about what God has accomplished on our behalf. But it's like anything else. Like if you get a gift, uh, and and so Jesus has done everything. You say, well, oh good, then I just get the gift. Well, if you receive it. Well, what if I don't receive it? Jesus will let you not receive it. So you say, well, yeah, I don't want to be a Christian. I hope you become one, but you have that choice, and God will, God respects your choice. So the the question is, am I going to step in to just that incredible free gift? Am I going to look at the people around me and look at maybe as my ministry during this season? There's also a diminished sense of power. And I think, honestly, in our society, especially as I look at uh, some of the social and political upheaval, uh, it almost all has to do with the diminished sense of power. Uh, it, very interesting. It, globally, if you look at, uh, if you're an economics person, uh, globally, things have never been better, not just here, everywhere in the world. And so there's maybe a couple places where they have a dictator or something, but there's, there's more stuff, more information, more healthcare, uh, cleaner water, not everywhere. I hope we get there to everyone. But people are feeling less powerful because of changes in society. And just think about that when it's not just society. I talk to people who you, you get a cancer diagnosis and, and, and it's not good prognosis apart from a miracle God. I've talked to a number of people and you say, I just feel like I have no power, or a kid who's struggling, and you can't help him. And that causes an incredible amount of stress, especially, and it causes stress no matter what, but especially when we have chosen to be the God of our universe. And the third one has to do really with something that, that we do that can be problematic, and that's prideful ingratitude. And you say, that sounds sort of harsh, well, well, let me give you a little bit of uh, Bible history and knowledge here. Uh, and many of you maybe have this already. 181 times in the Bible, uh, God tells the nation of Israel to remember, almost always in the context of a blessing He has given them. And you say, why is God so repetitive? And He says, remember, do this and remember, okay, and, and, and all of this. Even in the New Testament where Jesus gave His life for us and he, we have communion, do this in remembrance of me. Because God knew the propensity of the nation of Israel to forget, and the consequences of their forgetting was prideful ingratitude. It went from God has delivered us from this enemy to where we were smart enough and we did it, and yeah, we threw up a prayer and we're glad that God helped. And we walk away from God. Do you know that your blessings could be some of the greatest problems in your life? 
And yeah, it, it's one of those things. So, so we'll have, uh, have this where maybe there's a financial blessing. I hope you're blessed financially. But then uh, we'll say, oh, it's all about me and my, and you know, even the whole thing uh, when it comes to giving. Oh, well, what about you got to, it's, it's just really, it really comes down to is, is God your provider? Are you grateful? You'll, you'll never have a problem giving. You will be a faithful, generous person if that's where you start from. But if you say, well, it's my money and I did it, and well, who gave you your intellect, all of that, then it's always going to be a problem for you. So I can't, God can change your attitude, but if you say, he is my provider, then you say, Lord, everything. If you believe that you've been forgiven by Jesus Christ, then it's going to be really hard to hold resentment against another person. But, but if you believe, no, you've sort of done it on your own, and God, you're a pretty good person. The myth of the pretty good person is we could, I could spend 18 weeks on that. But if I know God has forgiven me, then I'm grateful, and I forgive those who have hurt me as well. Prideful ingratitude is toxic in our lives, in our society. There's also crazy multitasking. Dave Crenshaw in his book, The Myth of Multitasking, talks about how there's really no such thing. We can do two things at a time that require little mental energy, like running, listening to music, eating, watching TV, but you can't return email and have a meaningful conversation with a child at the same time. Usually what we do is what's called switch tasking, and that stresses us out because we've not set priorities in our life. Do you know that we do what's ever important? So we need to figure out what's important, and I do those things. It can lead to a negative outlook. Our culture is calibrated towards discontent. Uh, it really is. It's usually the if-when proposition. Uh, the difference between contentment and even coveting is sort of if-when. Or, uh, you know, I will be uh, happy when I get promoted, when I get a new job, when I graduate, when I get married, when I'm single, when I, you know, whatever your uh, thing is, is we have that attitude in our life. And the truth is that uh, we can be happy right now. We can have peace right now. That you have, in fact, uh, when I talk to couples who are getting married, I always warn them, what you bring into the wedding is what you're going to have in the marriage. If you were a happy, joyful uh, person, you're going to be happy, joyful in your marriage. If you were sort of negative, you're going to probably be negative in your marriage relationship. Same thing with work. If, if you're starting a new job and you say, okay, but I'm sort of, I have a you know, glass, half-empty outlook in life, you're going to probably bring that into the workplace. And a relationship with God changes that outlook in life. Max Lucado, in, in his book, in one of his books, he says, you have a God who hears you, the power of his love behind you, the Holy Spirit within you, all of heaven ahead of you, you have grace for every sin, direction for every turn, a candle for every darkness, an anchor for every storm. Can any cancer infect your salvation? Can any bankruptcy impoverish your sanctification? Can an earthquake even touch your heavenly home? See, he's acknowledging the two tracks, that there can be difficulty, but there can be God. By the way, life is not God. We are not, that's called pantheism. Uh, there's, there's actually a, a religion and a philosophy where whatever happens in life is God. No, life is life. God is God, and God works through our life. 
King David got this. One of the most famous pieces of literature in the world. It's known by tens of millions of people who are not Christians, don't believe the Bible. The 23rd Psalm. And he starts it out this way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or in one translation, I shall not be in want. And we read that and we're like, oh, that's nice. You know, shepherd, little shepherd boy David. Uh, Almost all theologians agree that it was written by David at the end of his life, reflecting on how God had been present in his life. And we read this about a shepherd. If God, if the Lord is my shepherd, then what does that make us? Sheep. Okay, have any of you, uh, do any of you have sheep? Not one person the whole weekend in Redmond. Okay, that's great. Uh, the, uh, so, the, no, we, I've actually, I, I spent several months with sheep in Scotland. There are a lot of, I think there's more sheep than people in Scotland. And uh, uh, if you, we don't know much about sheep. And so, that's what David is saying. He's saying, I'm like a sheep, which, by the way, is not a compliment if you've ever been around sheep, sheep are dirty. Uh, sheep, they do not clean themselves. One of the few animals, they do not even attempt it. If there's a stream, they could get the, the stuff off. They're like, ah, I just like how I smell. You know, and so they are dirty animals, and uh, they are also dumb. Uh, I was reading a quote online. Uh, it was a guy who has a bunch of sheep in West Virginia, and he said, sheep are born looking for a way to die. <laughs> and uh, that, that they, they really are, they're defenseless, they're not, you know, they're this little fluffy, meaty thing that any predator can go ahead and eat. Uh, they, they need, they absolutely need a shepherd. In fact, sheep are so, <laughs> they're dumb and defenseless. They, they will, if there's too much food, they will eat themselves to death. And, and this is literally how it happens, a little bit gross, but is, so they'll eat too much, and then they get gas, and they have no way to get rid of the gas, and so they literally die of the gas. They will fall over and die. And so they need a shepherd. The shepherd has to come up, I would not want this profession, has to come up and grab the sheep and go, it's like the first bagpipe ever. You know, and so uh, otherwise the sheep will die. And David totally, that's what, he knew this. He had done this. He was a shepherd. And when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, what he's saying is, God is, I'm not going to stress, God is my provider. You say, well, I'm a self-made person. David was the second king of Israel, uh, powerful. He wrote literature that people have read throughout the centuries he was an incredible leader. Really, there's, no, there's no, one, no one in our country, definitely, who's ever accomplished at, at, when it comes to political, military, artistic, at the level David had, and he had a real dark side, too. So he had, by, by the way, if you go to Israel, uh, some skeptics were like, oh, well, David was just an amalgam, a myth, until they found inscriptions around the time David lived to David, king of Israel. So we know for a fact that he lived and, and these things about his life were quite incredible. Yet he said, you know what? At, at the end of the day, I'm sort of a smelly sheep. And I need the Lord to be my shepherd. And honestly, if you don't get there, 
I hope you get there. But also, if you don't get there, then you're going to probably have stress that I can't help you with or God can't help you with because you haven't… There's 7,000 promises in the Bible, and behind every promise there's a premise, and we get that in Matthew chapter 6. These are the words of Jesus. I'm going to spend the rest of my time there. And so, he starts out with this premise. He says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So, I, I, if I seek God first, then I have more peace. So, how can you and I, how can we decrease stress during this season? We, we know it's bad for you. We know it literally will take years off your life. First thing is to stop feeding your stressors. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? That sounds pretty irresponsible, but it's also an understanding of God as our provider. He, he said, yeah, you need to be responsible. You need, oh, great, save, do all of those things. Those are important, but understand ultimately that the Lord is your shepherd. We, we studied uh, a few years ago. Uh, I actually got so much response, I probably should just return to it, even though it's only been two or three years. Uh, Elijah and the depression that he went through in his life. And it's interesting what God says to him, and it's like not mind-blowing stuff. When he's, first thing God says is, hey, you need to eat right, and you need to take a nap. And you're like, well, shouldn't it be something bigger than that? No, sometimes you're stressed out. You need to, yeah, you just need to eat right. You need to take a nap. By the way, as, as a kid, worst thing that could ever, you, you remember when you were a kid and your parents said, you need to take a nap, and you're like, oh no, you're cruel. And right now, my guess is 95%, if I went up to you and said, you, you need to take a nap, you're like, thank you, Jesus. You know, this is awesome. Uh, in fact, I shared before my parents would, uh, when I'd get cranky and stuff, they'd always say, well, Ben's a little cranky. He needs an NAP. But I was like 17. I knew what they were talking about. <laughs> and, uh, and for many of us, we just, we need, we, number two, we need to think differently. We need to think differently. The Bible talks a lot about the renewing, in fact, in Romans chapter 12 in particular, the renewing of our minds. Because the reality is that stress is not what happens to you, it's how you process. That's why I, I've seen people who've gone through incredibly difficult seasons where they've lost a marriage, they've, lost, they've been bankrupt, lost a business, lost a job, lost a reputation. And you think about, oh man, how can anyone, and then their health suffers, and you're like, how can anyone survive this? And yet there's a sense of peace, and others of us, and this, me too, we walk through something and, and we got a demotion, and oh, our, our whole world falls apart. And it's really how we're reacting to it. And it really, under, our understanding of God. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap. If anyone's on God's welfare plan, it's birds. Uh, or store in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You know you can't add an hour, but you certainly can take away years from your life by worrying. 
that we need to think differently. And as I say this, I've got to be careful because some of you were re raised in religious environments where it's, you, you know, if I need to get any help from the outside, I'm not very spiritual. If you have chemical issues or, and you need to see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, you need to get medication, you know, that all wisdom is really God's wisdom if it's true wisdom. And, you know, maybe God helped Prozac to be invented so you would not kill your relatives this season. Isn't that awesome? And, and, and you say, okay, no, I really, I need, I need a little bit. I've shared this. My whole family sort of suffers with this. And uh, on Thanksgiving, I truly have always believed that there should be a Zoloft salt lick right when we enter the living room. Everyone should take a lick, and then we'll get along really well. Uh, so, so get that help. But let me say this for my friends who I will tell you is that can never be your ending point. It's an important starting point. It allows you to think clearly to where you can see God, to where you can say, okay, it's who God says I am that's important. You know that right now some of you are stressed. There's someone who's talking smack. I know that's probably not a theological word, but the... Uh, about your life. And, and do you know that there's a 99.999999% chance that no one's going to even remember that in a few years from now? But we get so caught up in the moment, and not in a good way. Corey Ten Boom, who, who really, you talk about something difficult, her family would hid Jewish people during the Nazis, and uh, most of them died in a concentration camp because of that. She says, if you look at the world, you'll get distressed. If you look at within, you'll get depressed. Many people, I just need to look within myself. You can do that. It just doesn't turn out well for folks. Because if the answers were there, you would have found them by now. It says, if you look to God, she said, you will be blessed. When you make peace with God, you will have the peace of God and peace with others as well. Jesus says this, so don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. Your for the pagans run after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And, and so it's, it's that dependent, remember that the Lord is my shepherd. And many of us, we come to a crisis because we've, God has enabled you to, He's given you a great mind, and, and you've been able to do so much in your life. But honestly, the roadblock, maybe from having a healthy relationship with your kids, honestly, from maybe your next promotion at work, is just that understanding, sometimes I need help. And God has created us to be in relationship with Him, and so that shouldn't surprise us. Uh, Max Lucado, again, I'm quoting from him, he, uh, uh, he tells a story when he was traveling on an airplane, and as he's traveling on an airplane, there's this boy who's sitting next to him, probably teenage-ish, junior high, high school, something like that. His name was Billy, and uh, he could tell that he probably had some uh, special needs, and as he sits down, he uh, just says, hi, I'm Billy. I get confused a lot. Will you look out for me? And I throw up on airplanes. 
And uh, so he's like, okay, this is going to be an interesting flight. And then literally, he said, Billy, the person across the aisle, he said uh, he was on the aisle, Billy was, and he said, hi, I'm Billy. I get confused a lot. Will you look out for me? And then when the flight attendant, each time, every flight attendant, he stopped and he said, I'm Billy. I get confused a lot. Will you look out for me? And so he says it literally to everyone. And, and Max Lucado said, uh, he pondered on this. He said, if something happened on the plane, who would be the safest person? Billy. Because there would be 35 people saying, get Billy. And, 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 and truly, a lot of us, we don't have hope because you're not willing to ask for help. They should just know. No, they shouldn't. That, that's, no, they shouldn't. You have to take the step. And, say, and maybe you have to take it a couple times. And say, you know what? Right now, I just have this anger, and it's destroying every relationship that I have. Will, will you pray for me? Will you help me? Do you know any resource? Will you help keep me accountable? And someone might say, oh, okay, I know your anger. And you might need to say, no, I really, and if it's not you, it needs to be someone else. I need some help. And see, the, the, how we come to relationship with God is when we come to the end of ourself, and when you come to the end of yourself, you've come to a real good place. Because now you're able to step into the promises of the Bible where Jesus says, I want you to have life and life to its fullest. And some of you, you know that. You, I, I just talked to a couple after the last service, and they're moving away, been with the church for a number of years, moving to another city. And they said, it's when we finally admitted that we needed that help, that everything changed in, in our life. And many of us, we're just waiting for the next, we have this if-when, you know, if-then mentality. Sort of when this happens, then I'll be okay. And we, instead of number four, enjoy your right now. You might think this is irresponsible. Actually, no, it's, it's actually biblical. Jesus goes on and says this, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Isn't that tr uh, true? Each day has enough trouble of its own. And, it, and if you think about the Apostle Paul, remember that verse that we're going to be looking at as our theme verse for the next number of weeks, uh, that, that he said, hey, I'm crushed, but I'm not defeated. Uh, I'm downcast, but not destroyed. And then a few verses later, he puts it in perspective, because there were many things that were resolved and some things that weren't. He said, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal." And for many of us, we're walking through, and we're not going to see the answer. We're not going to see how God is going to walk beside us. And it's a step of faith. And the truth is, we've got to step towards Him. And maybe you find, I talked to a number of people this weekend, and someone said, hey, you know, man, I've sort of been stepping away from God. And what I said to them is what I would say to you. I'm happy that today you made a different decision. And my prayer is that you'll continue to make that decision. Because then you'll have what the Bible calls that peace that passes all understanding. I'm going to have you do something a little bit different 
today. We're going to end not only with a verse. I'm going to have you read it out loud together with me. We usually don't end the sermon that way. But I want you to read it as really a, a statement of faith for you, I hope, or maybe a prayer that this would be true of you. Let's read this together. Ready, set, read. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.